to the Mainline Podcast. Adam Jacquez with you this evening. Tyler Burton, unfortunately out sick today, but uh, we got a good replacement in Captain 405 joining us to talk all things recruiting. So we'll go ahead and dive right in. Captain, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing great. It is it is hot. Uh, I think that's not breaking news to anybody, but uh, I'm doing very well, thanks. Yeah. Well, it's, it's good to have you back on. It's, we've had you on a few times, but this is the first time that we've had you on since the new website launched, crimsoncaptain.com. I think people probably have seen that stuff floating around on Twitter if they haven't already subscribed to the website. Um, I guess first, I think it might be good to give a little bit of an introduction, uh, whatever you can here, as far as, you know, where, where did you come from? What's, what's going on here? And what are you creating with this website? So for me, the personal background is that I, I grew up in a coaching family. My granddad and my dad uh, were coaches in, in the Texas high school football scene all of my growing up years. So it's kind of in my blood. And uh, and that's been an interest in mine, obviously, for a very long time as I've grown up. I've, I've gone off and did my own thing, starting my own business, and and got disconnected from that world a little bit. Got reconnected to it last summer in last fall and really started to take more of an interest there. And fortunately as a part, as, as a result of, of the, that upbringing and being in those circles for years, uh, I've got some connections on the recruiting side that, that kind of fed that interest a little bit, if you could, I guess you could say. And uh, I joined uh, a community. It's the uh, RDS uh, Red Dirt Sport Discord is the first community that I joined last fall and uh, that really stoked the fire for me and because i've got some connections and, and some insight that i could give on a few different recruitments that that became uh, a hobby of mine pretty quickly and it morphed into uh, you know starting a website ultimately and and really starting to try and get that off the ground yeah and and the website comprises of a lot of different areas. It's not just recruiting, although I think that's probably some of the things that people find the most valuable, of course. Um, but there's there's film reviews, there's there's long-form articles. And I think from my perspective, just seeing what it's been over, I don't know, it's been out maybe, what, two, three weeks? It hasn't been a super long time yeah, at this point. Week. Yeah, but there's, there's a lot of interesting things. Um, it's not just football-related. There's some good breakdowns of what to expect for basketball and baseball season, which I know as, as a baseball lover myself, I think that's, that's really valuable. So there's a lot of content there, a lot of interesting updates. Um, and I think a lot of value there because there's a lot of conciseness to what's going on there. So if you're not able to stay plugged into, you know, all those message boards, things like that, um, crimsoncaptain.com is one of the easiest ways. Just pick up, figure out what the info is, the need to know stuff, uh, before, uh, without having to sift through a lot of other stuff. Um, I do want to ask you about the uh, the film sessions, though, because this is kind of a unique angle that you don't see as much in other places. And I, th- I thought it was, uh, for someone like me, I don't have the background like you, I was not in a high school coach's family or anything like that. So um, there, there's two really good ones, actually three really great ones up there right now. But the two that were most recent were some film breakdowns of both Javante Barnes and Gavin Sawchuck. Uh, I don't want to spoil it for anyone out there, so you'll have to check it out yourself, but um, some really good reviews, just of I think some really smart ways to watch those two players as they come onto the field here in a little over a week's time uh, to better understand and look for, hey, you know, have they improved from their freshman year? Um, you know, what kind of ways are we looking for them to uh, to just get better this season? Uh, I don't know if you have anything you want to add there, though, on the film session, because that's kind of a unique aspect. I, I think it really is unique, and it's a it's a perspective that we've been able to to put out there for our subscribers. I've uh, been fortunate to get connected with a couple of people who are even 
bigger uh, film junkies than I am and, and can really understand what they're looking at uh, from a scheme and, and uh, overall breakdown perspective. And so one of the things that, that we've started doing, and this is something that is going to evolve over time, what we've got out on the site right now is, is really just the beginning stages of it. But we really want to create a, a smarter football fan. And I think there's a, a market and a real strong desire for people to get into the more technical aspects of football, understand what they're looking at at a deeper level, and, and also be able to look at players who you know, we got to see some last year, understand maybe what their strengths were a year ago. You know, this is kind of the year interview type stuff that we're doing right now. But for, for guys like Sawchuck and Barnes specifically, it's really neat to look at how they, how they operated last year and in the action that we got to see them in. And then maybe you know, have that as a, uh, as a uh, reference point for when we see them this year. And, and I think that's what you'll see as we move along here. But, but the idea, again, is to you know, get into the weeds a little bit of some technical explanations of what's going on and assume that people – uh, you know, have a craving for that kind of info and want to be able to learn and and grow their mind in the game. And, and that's really what's behind that. Yeah, definitely a craving that I have to understand things a little bit better there. So uh, one of the highlights of the website for me so far, uh, but make sure if you're, uh, if you're not familiar, if you're not already subscribed, check out crimsoncaptain.com, a lot of good stuff. Um, this gets pumped out every day on there. And so um, if, if you're curious, you know, just for me, I've, I've had a little bit of a longer track record or perspective to see some of this information that captain's thrown out there. And usually the first place I hear it, and I'm plugged into a few different other communities as well, but usually the first place I hear it is from the captain. So uh, kind of nice to know that you're getting the info pretty quickly there as well. Um, let's, uh, let's dive into some of that on the recruiting side of things. We've got a big uh, announcement coming up this weekend with David Stone announcing where he's going to be playing college football and I guess every OU fan has the PTSD right now. Nothing could possibly go OU's way. Um, and then you've got David Stone, the guy that, by all accounts, OU's led on him for months and months and months. And I know we've heard that story with Williams Winery, but, um, you know, these are guys that change their mind frequently. They have a lot of different people in their ears. All sorts of different things could change. But how, how confident should OU fans feel about David Stone as it stands as we record today on Wednesday evening? If you'd if you would have asked me over the weekend, uh, my opinion might have been a little bit different, or might have been a little bit less definitive and confident in in the information that's being put out there. But as of right now, I, as you talk to people on the Miami side as well as on the OU side, and try and get that that macro picture, I think there's very good reason for OU fans to feel very confident about uh, David Stone and the decision that he's going to make on Saturday. Now, obviously, uh, we're, we're familiar enough with recruiting to know that things can change and, and, and things can pop up last minute that you don't expect. So I'll add that caveat if I can hedge just a little bit there. But uh, when, you look, when you listen to, to the Miami people and, and the things that are coming out of that camp, I think there's an understanding on their part of, of where this is going to go and an expectation that's leaning towards OU. And then on the OU side – their confidence has never wavered one bit as far as, as I have been able to ascertain. So uh, I'm definitely liking where the Sooners stand. And, and I think that this may, uh, this may be a bit of good news on Saturday. 
Yeah, he'll be uh, committing about halftime of his game on Saturday. I believe that's on ESPN2 if I have uh, my channels right there. And he'll actually be going up against uh, Samaj Jones, a quarterback that OU recruited uh, quite heavily. Didn't end up getting him, but that would have been pretty cool to see them facing off if they're both OU commits at that point. Um, now, I, I think the, peop- the thing that people probably I, – and I, I include myself in this as a fan here. Like, I think we kind of forget that – like these guys change their minds constantly. They're 16, 17 years old. Um, what they do one day is totally different than what they might do the next day. And I think a lot of fans look at that and they kind of go, well, you know, why would he even consider Miami? He's already recruited Jane Jackson. He's already uh, recruited Michael Patterson McDonald to be his teammates at OU. And I think kind of the thing that we forget is, yeah, probably when he did make those, you know, decisions to help commit, uh, get those guys to commit to Oklahoma, he probably was, feeling pretty good about Oklahoma and it sounds like that's still the case, but I I think it's always a good reminder that these things go up and down constantly. Um, You know, these guys change their minds. They have different people that are uh, pulling them different directions, depending on what, you know, their, their preferences are on, on where he commits. And so I think it's just always good to keep in mind that, yeah, things change so quickly. I mean, and we've seen that work very much in our favor with guys like Jane Jackson or or Taylor Tatum, for example, but uh, it also works against us in some cases. So it's a constantly evolving door of, of new information and new decisions that are always coming out, it seems. That's a really good point. And I think even in the NIL era, well, even before the NIL era, you had family members involved in different kinds of, of influences there that would push and pull kids different directions. But I think if you talk to people that have been around this industry for a very long time, and seeing the ebbs and flows, it's, it seems like the family involvement has really uh, been kicked up a notch because of, of the number uh, or the, the numbers that are involved and the money that's flowing around. And, and it's de- definitely no different with David Stone. You know, with David Stone, there's his own set of circumstances there that are affecting and have been affecting things since the beginning. And uh, lots of differing opinions, depending on who you talk to about where he's, going to end up and, and what he wants to do. But at the end of the day, uh, this usually comes down to to what the player wants, what the recruit wants. And uh, I think that's going to end up being the case here with, with David Stone. Yeah. And I, I think it goes without saying that even if he does commit to OU on Saturday, this staff is still going to be recruiting him every day until his signature is on the paper. And then probably – Every day after that, his, his entire career at OU, because as we see with guys like Derek LeBlanc or you know guys in their second or third year, they can transfer out so easily. Um, so it's, it's a constant thing that these coaches are doing. So uh, hopefully OU can make the first step of that by getting his, uh, his commitment, uh, his verbal commitment on Saturday. And that will help hopefully bring some momentum, maybe pave the way for some other guys that might join him there as well. A guy that you know OU fans have probably been a little bit more – I don't want to say hesitant, but I guess cautious might be a better word uh, in getting their hopes up for is Dominic McKinley, a five-star defensive tackle out of Louisiana. And it sounds like right now that maybe OU is um, probably not in the lead for him, but a lot of things could change there. Um, does, Does a David Stone commitment help at all with Dominic McKinley as he goes into a decision date probably around September 1st? I know that it won't hurt. I, I don't know to what extent it helps, though, because Dominic McKinley has his own set of circumstances and factors involved there. I don't, I don't think it's going to push him to OU. I don't think I don't see that as a deciding factor. I guess I can say that with with Dominic McKinley, 
I, I see Texas as a pretty clear leader at this point based on conversations on both the OU and the Texas side. Ohio State has come in, and, and at one point last week, I, I had them as either second or tied for second with OU for McKinley. Now, he's got, his decision is coming up on September 1st. The family has been pretty quiet about where they're leaning, so there hasn't been a lot of new information to come out. And, and the information that I have gotten has been gleaned from people on the Texas side who have been in contact with the family as well as, as on the OU side and just, you know, how they're feeling and what they're hearing based on you know, who they're talking to at a given point. But uh, I, I think OU's got some work to do to, to make up some ground here and, and not a lot of time to do that. And the consistent message that I hear across the board is, is that Texas is in that lead spot. It's not a, a huge lead depending on who you talk to, but, uh, but it is a lead. And I think OU has got, again, some work to do. And I don't know they've got a lot of ammunition or time left in order to, to make that up. So it'll be interesting to see what happens down the stretch. I don't know if I want to get too into the weeds or details. Maybe you don't want to either on like NIL perspective, but I think that's kind of where everyone's mind goes because um, they look at what happened with Williams Winery and it's so easy to say, Oh, you didn't get him. Well, they got outbid and that's all he wants. But then if OU had won him, then the other fan base would have been saying the same thing. I don't know if that's the case necessarily with Dominic McKinley, but uh, I, I guess the sense and tell me if I'm, maybe I'm, just totally off base here. The sense I get with maybe last year, maybe that sentiment of OU's, you know, not paying up on NIL, maybe that would have been true a year ago. I kind of feel like this year, I don't have like inside info or anything, and I'm not not asking for that, but the sense I get is that OU has the budget and the means to pay a lot of these guys, but at a certain point, you want them to commit to OU for something other than the money. So you are going to reward them well for that, but they still have to want to come to OU for a lot more than just the biggest paycheck. Yes. And the, the public statements that Brent Venables has made about not wanting to jeopardize the chemistry within a locker room by paying a, a single player an exorbitant amount of money. It's been backed up by what you hear privately said by people that are connected to the recruitment. And even on the NIL side, there was definitely a shift in June on OU's part to uh, to up their game a little bit when it comes to how much they are willing to pay. And don't get me wrong, David Stone is, is being very well taken care of. They had a, a very competitive package, even as crazy as, as Missouri was going on that end of things. They were still very competitive and close to what Missouri was offering. They were outbidding Georgia for williams area. So there, there's definitely been a shift, and it's definitely not – the same game that they that they were playing last year. Last year, like you said, you could definitely say that OU was lagging way behind and was not really even coming close in a lot of areas. They were still uh, competing in that arena, but it wasn't nearly to the extent that other schools were like A&M and, and Miami and others, whereas they, they've already won some NIL-based battles this year with Jaden Jackson and a few others. So... Uh, and David Stone would be another one uh, of those because they would be you know, at or near the top, if not the leader, as far as what they're willing to put together for David Stone and his family. But uh, this this cycle, uh, what you've seen is is just a, a reality that NIL is not the end-all, be-all. 
in these recruitments. There are other things that are pulling recruits different directions. And so because OU is competing at that level, it's, you can't just, you know, lean on that as an excuse if something doesn't go your way. Yeah. And I, uh, I've been this way. I think a lot of fans have been in my shoes where I've at moments thought, Hey, let's just hit the panic button. Let's buy the roster. And we've seen other teams like A&M and Miami do that. Hasn't paid off for anyone yet that I've seen. Um, so it really is kind of the slower burn of you got to get to the point where you are Georgia, like you mentioned, where OU was outbidding Georgia for uh, Williams Winery. And you kind of got to get to that point. You have to have more than just money because uh, buying the roster at the end of the day doesn't doesn't necessarily guarantee any type of success. Um, I want to get to uh, a guy here on the other side of the ball, another lineman, Grant Bricks. He's down to OU in Nebraska and maybe K-State, it seems like. And he's, he's taken all his visits. He did another round of visits and still no decision yet here. He's a guy that's, that's so quiet. Um, I went to you know try to put together a graphic for him, uh, not on his behalf or anything, just something that I want to do as a fan uh, for our, our Twitter. And he's so quiet, you don't have any pictures of him anywhere in an OU uniform, not because uh, he's not a fan of OU or, or that we don't lead in that recruitment potentially, but he just doesn't post anything. So um, you don't hear much out of him, but... Do you get the sense that maybe he's just waiting around to maybe see some proof of concept on the field? Because two of the programs he's looking at in Nebraska and OU didn't have great 2022 seasons. You know, talking to both OU and Nebraska people, I think there's been an expectation. There's been a little bit of surprise that this recruitment is still going right now. And the, the sense I get from talking to people is that he's legitimately torn. He has said within the last couple of weeks that OU was the leader at that particular point. Uh, if you talk to Nebraska people, I, I think he goes back and forth on that because they have also been into the impression at different points that they either were or are the leader. But um, you know, we'll see how it plays out. I, everything I've heard is that he wants to decide before the season. I, I've also heard that may drag out a little bit if he can't you know, come to a point of decision between – Nebraska and OU, and I believe those are are his choices at this point. I yeah, I would probably lean towards saying that Nebraska has a better shot at ending up with with a signature than OU does, just because the proximity of Nebraska to his hometown is, is going to play a major factor. And uh, Bill Biedenbaugh and Jerry Smith are are the kind of aces in the hole that OU has, so to speak on their side that have really been uh, been what's pulling bricks towards OU in a lot of ways, but there's a lot to overcome with Nebraska and being close to home and, and the coaching staff there has done a very good job on the relationship. And so uh, I, I think, I, I think he is legitimately torn about what to do. Otherwise we would have heard a decision by now. Yeah, he could be the crown jewel of this offensive line class if he ends up picking the Sooners, but I, I agree with you there. I think, as it stands today, Nebraska is the path of least resistance. And we got a guy who's, who's really torn. I, it kind of sounds to me in a lot of ways like, yeah, you don't want to tell either of these staffs no. You don't want to tell um, you know, either fan base no in a way. And Nebraska is the path of least resistance because you're not around as many OU fans where he is. He's not that far away from Lincoln. So uh, we'll see what happens there. Maybe a few early losses in Nebraska's schedule if he does indeed drag out uh, his, uh, his commitment timeline. Maybe that helps work in OU favor, OU's favor, we, uh, we shall see. 
Um, I want to go back to the defensive uh, side of the ball and wrap up uh, the podcast with two names here on this side. Nigel Smith, a guy who his recruitment's been, I don't know, not kind of drama-free almost in a way, uh, to the point that I think um, he's just not talked about nearly as much as some other guys. Um, But he is a top 250 guy pretty much everywhere you look across the recruiting services. But uh, are we heading for probably a drama-free announcement here in a couple weeks with Nigel Smith? Uh, yes. <laughs> but just to put it as succinctly as I can, yes. I, I think that uh, Nigel Smith has been one of the most solid recruits as you've gone through this process. I and mean, we've dealt with a lot of drama and, and unknowns. Nigel Smith – Although you don't want to count your chickens before they hatch, obviously. But uh, I don't know of anybody, aside from somebody who's committed, that can be more solid to OU at this point. And so, yeah, I fully expect that that will continue. And barring some major surprise, uh, that should go OU's way on September 8th. And then the last name I want to ask you about, Danny Okoye, of course, a little bit uh, longer timeline to get to him making a decision. We don't have any date yet or or month or anything like that. But, um, hey, we're, we're, we're almost to September, so he's running out of time. He's got to make an announcement by, I assume, December, unless he uh, unexpectedly drags that out to uh, the February signing day. But sounds like he's circling in on his top three, which seems to be Oklahoma, Texas, and Tennessee not necessarily in that particular order, but here's kind of the uh, the reverse of Grant Bricks in a way of, well, OU's the closest to, to home for him. It seems like OU's uh, done the best over probably the last, I don't know, six months or so of, of having a really good relationship there. But we've been through some other battles with other defensive linemen so far, some NIL battles, some uh, family relationship battles here. What do you see as being maybe the most important factor for OU winning out with Danny Okoye? So the relationship with Miguel Chavis, I, I think, is going to be the thing that, that really OU falls back on in the end. Now, there's going to be some NIL involved there for sure. <clears throat> but since Okoye reopened things with OU, Chavis has done a really good job of stepping in and, and hitting all the right notes in that relationship. It's really, it's really put OU in a good spot. And then there was a visit at the end of July – the party at the palace that Okoye made it in for. And that whole event really went a long way towards ensuring that OU was in that top spot or near that top spot. Now, one thing about Okoye is that he's very, uh, he's very friendly and, and positive with pretty much every coaching staff that is in that, that group of three that Tennessee, Texas, and OU especially. And, and so it, makes it a little bit hard to read if you're on the outside looking in just about where he's leaning at a given point. Uh, I know Tennessee right now feels very good about where they're at. Texas has been very confident at different points, although I think that that confidence has decreased a little bit over the last few weeks. So what this is really going to come down to in my mind is is the official visits and how those go. And, and we'll get a better sense uh, at that point of, of where this is really is really heading. I don't anticipate this is going to be a quick decision for him. I think he's going to take his visits. He'll take some time to think it through. So, you know, there's really no timetable that I'm aware of at this point about when that could be finalized. Uh, But uh, I think if you're OU right now, you have to be happy with 
the path that you've taken and and the things that you've done because you're you're one or two right there you're, you're right there as far as uh, where you're at with the and and that's definitely a good place to be heading into uh, the season yeah and tell me if you agree on this but I, I I don't view him as a replacement for Williams Winery but man, it helps that wound feel a lot better if you can get Danny Okoye. And you would still take Winery if he changes his mind later on down the road. Way too far away to know if that's even realistic at all. But uh, adding Danny Okoye to a class potentially with Nigel Smith and David Stone, uh, yeah, I think that that feels really, really solid. And I, I kind of think Danny Okoye might be a little bit underrated at this point in the recruiting services, um, mainly because of the level he plays at being in Oklahoma, maybe not getting as much respect, but I think that's someone that you can feel really good about uh, to complete this off uh, defensive line class. One of the best, maybe, maybe the best ever that uh, we've seen in the recruiting service era. Yeah. It's definitely one of the better ones in the last 20 years, just with those three guys as it's kind of the, the centerpieces. And you have uh, Wyatt Gilmore in there as well as a guy that, that uh, Jackson, is, yeah. is highly ranked and Jaden Jackson. So, yeah, when you when you put all those pieces together, it really I think when you go back and, and look at the rankings and we did a, a comparison of the defensive line classes from the last 20 years, just, you know, the, that that core group right now would comprise one of the higher ranked, if not the highest ranked class on the defensive line that OU has been able to pull in within the last 20 years. And, and that goes back to some pretty decent company in the early 2000s. Absolutely. Well, Captain, we greatly appreciate your time this evening jumping in uh, for uh, for Tyler as he's out sick. Uh, make sure you go subscribe at crimsoncaptain.com. And then uh, on Twitter, it's, it's captain underscore 405, correct? Cap underscore 405 and then uh, crimson underscore cap for the website. Awesome. Thanks. Well, everyone, make sure you go follow the uh, Crimson Captain there on Twitter and subscribe. And uh, we will see everyone again next week for another episode of Mainline.